hope everybody is having a great weekend. It is Sunday. Hello world. What is going on? Edge of Your Seat Podcast, episode 29. This one, as always, we have a special guest. This time around is Ottawa Boys head coach Mark Cooper. And the beginning of the conversation. My mom said conversation sounds better than an interview. And I totally agree, because I've been you know, going back and forth which one to say. So we're going to go with conversations instead of interviews. Because this is just a sit-down chat, talking about sports, life, things that we enjoy, things like that. So we're going to call these conversations. Anyway, the conversation with Mark Cooper was extremely awesome. And at the very beginning of it, I do sound like a fanboy. I am not going to lie. Coming up in Mendota High School, playing basketball, things like that, you always heard the folklore stories of the players that came before, the Eric Dukes, the Krylings, the Hansons, and of course, Mike and Mark Cooper were involved in those conversations as well. So, growing up, I first seen him, you know, at this time, I think he was a coach the first time I saw him with Ottawa, and, you know, I hadn't talked to him yet, I didn't get to talk to him until I started working for a local newspaper in the Illinois Valley, and it was one of the coolest meetings, he was very... You know, I was a green reporter, you know, first, I'm not going to say first assignment, but first, like, getting into the groove of this area. Of course, I've done, you know, things in Southern Illinois, went to college at Southern Illinois University in Carbondale. I'd done some things around there for the Daily Egyptian, which is the SIU paper, and of course, the Southern Illinoisan, and a couple other little small publications Carterville Courier, the newspaper Johnsonville City Herald, and the Heron Independent. I wrote stories for all of them, and so I I wasn't like green, 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 but I was still in the process of working on interviews and, you know, I don't want to say social skills, but how you deal with, you know, coaches and players, and at, at first, when you're first getting into journalism and, you know, whether it's sports or news or anything else, it's kind of intimidating because you're talking to these people that you you know, have been doing good things or, you know, have a certain title, you know, things like that. And you're like, who am I? I'm just some peon that wants to write about you. But then after a while, you're like, hey, we are equals. I am telling your story. So for me to get a great interview, you know, I need to be personable, you be personable, and then we work things out and we get great stories. And that's kind of, you know, Mark Cooper definitely helped out with that. He probably doesn't know that. But the way he you know, interacted with me and and any praise that I gave him, he gives a praise back. And you can see it in this very conversation. And that's how he treats everybody. So working with him while, you know, being a head coach at Ottawa was a lot of fun. And it was awesome to have this opportunity to actually talk to him about his playing career, coaching at Ottawa, the players that he's had there, just all kinds of cool stuff basketball wise. There's a couple learning moments from him in, in the conversation, and it was just a great chat. Uh, I really enjoyed it. A couple of Mendota boys just hanging out, talking about sports and life and, you know, things that we enjoy, just like I said before. But before we get into that, want to give us our plugs, Edge of Your Seat Podcast. You can listen to us on Apple Music, iTunes, you can listen to us on Spotify, and you can listen to us on Google Music. We are on all three of those platforms. Of course, it is Edge of Your Seat Podcast. For social media, you can find us on Facebook at Edge of Your Seat Podcast and Twitter, Edge of Your Seat P. Give us some follows, 
on the, the music apps. Please give us some reviews. Let us know what you think. Especially do that on Facebook and Twitter if you have the time. Anything that is put on there, we give our reactions, our replies, and it is very awesome interacting with anybody that listens. Speaking of, on episode, I believe it was 26, I had Tom McGonagall, St. Bede girls basketball coach on, and we talked about a Mount Rushmore of Illinois Valley girls basketball players and who would be on it. I have gotten tons of feedback on other players who should be on that or, you know, honorable mentions, things like that. I am going to re-up this conversation with another couple of special guests. I'm not going to tell you who. I got I to gotta keep some, you know, oh, you know, surprise in there. <laughs> but I will tell you, I will give you a hint. I am talking with two players that Tom and I either already put on the Mount Rushmore or were an honorable mention. So why not talk about a Mount Rushmore of girls basketball players with players that were actually playing and against a lot of the names that we said. So ready for a couple of awesome, awesome, awesome interviews. There we go again. Awesome conversations to talk about this Mount Rushmore. It is going to be awesome. I'm super pumped. I mean, like I said, we want to talk to the people that were actually playing and that actually played against these people and things like that. So this is going to be great. I just wanted to let you know to keep the lookout for them. It's going to be a little bit, but they are coming to further the Mount Rushmore discussion. If you have been looking on Facebook or Twitter or whatever and have seen some of the names that have been thrown out there and you think there's a name that has not been thrown out yet, please, the hotline, we'll call it the, the social media hotline, does not have a postponement day. Anytime that you want to throw one of those names up there, throw a player up there, go ahead. I am going to talk about her, or if we do a boys Mount Rushmore, which is probably right around the corner, go ahead and throw those names up there. I will definitely mention them. No, why not? This show is just as much about you as it is about me. Actually, more about you. I mean, I'm just trying to have some entertainment, some interesting informational conversations. There we go. I did say interview. <laughs> but anyway, that will be coming up. Even if you don't want to throw names up on Twitter or Facebook, you can email us at edgeofyourseatpodcast at gmail.com. And the last plug, which always should be the best plug, Brian Cavelli, thank you for the intro, outro beat. Still fantastic. I bump my head every time that I listen to it when I'm editing, whatever, when I'm replaying the episodes. Still jamming out to that. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Special shout out to Pat Beals. If you are in the Illinois Valley, you know who this man is. He was a coach in Mendota. His dad was a coach in Mendota. He does it all sports-wise. You can catch him pretty much at any event. Yeah, I've seen him at tennis. I've seen him baseball, basketball, football. Pat Beals is everywhere. Loves his sports. I was lucky enough to celebrate, help him celebrate, his birthday last night. I was out watching playoff football game, had some, some chicken wings, and I turn around and Pat Beals and his wife are walking in, and all of a sudden it's two hours later, and I'm still there talking to Pat. Before Pat walked in, I was about to leave. <laughs> I'm serious. I was about to walk out the door. Pat and his wife walked in, and I sat there for two hours talking everything sports, talking about this podcast. Always a great man to talk to. Happy birthday, Pat. One of the things that Pat and I and his wife were talking about were Amelia Bromanschenko Jr. for Mendota Girls Basketball. 
She dropped 41 points on Saturday against Rochelle. The Lady Trojans went on to beat the Lady Hub 64-45. And Bromo didn't just stop with 41 points. She had 20 rebounds, 5 steals, 3 assists, and a block. That's amazing. She is killing it. Killing it. I, I don't even know how, what else to say. She is absolutely killing it. If you have not seen a Mendota girls basketball game, I totally recommend it. Of course, they have Bromo and they have other players that are a delight to watch. Jalen Fitzgerald had 9 points. Five rebounds and two or three steals last night. It's just a good team to watch. So before the 41-point explosion, Amelia Bromenschinkel had 1359 for her points. That's 1,359 career points, and that was in 18 games. So the 19th game was against Rochelle. She dropped 41. That puts her ahead of Warren Kellen, who was third on the list with 1363. So now Amelia is ahead of her. She's sitting in third. Sammy Crum is second with 1590, and then of course Jackie Bice is right now the Mendota all-time leading scorer with 2,111. So Amelia Bromanchik, I think she came into the season at ninth. Maybe she was 10th coming into the season. Anyway, she was at the bottom of the list of the top 10 and has worked her way into third right now, and she's a junior. So by the time she graduates, there's a very, very good chance that she unseats Jackie Bice from the throne of all-time leading scorers at Mendota, which there's been crazy amounts of awesome talent through Mendota, girls basketball-wise. I'm looking at the list right now. It would go 1 to one to 10. Jackie Bice, Sammy Crum, Lauren Kellen, of course, Amelia, who we're talking about, Amy Devitt, Allie Bromenschinkel, Ashley Lewis, Ashley Smith, Abby Bromenschinkel, and Chris, I'm going to butcher this name, and I'm sorry, Chris, Chris Wujic, class of 1993, those are the 10 players that have scored over 800 points for the program and all of them are recognizable names and some you can't pronounce but <laughs> sorry Chris all recognizable names all are, are well known as great athletes and basketball players and Amelia is on the way to be you know the top you know barring any injury barring any setbacks you know it's it's definitely in the I don't want to say plans, but in the future, because the way she scored, I mean, she scored 41 points last night. You know, that's almost half of 100. I'm doing basic math here. She has a couple more of those, and, you know, she might be able to pass it by the end of her junior year and then set a crazy record that's, you know, there for forever. Jackie Bice set the record of 2,111 points in 1999. So that's been there 20 years. She has been the leading scorer for 20 years. It's pretty crazy. Also, we'll do a little rundown of just other scores. I know there was tons of games that have been going on Friday and Saturday. I'm just going to say the couple that stood out to me. I'll try to do that more often. Princeton boys basketball, a 44-42 win over Erie Prophetstown. You, you got to love those close, you know, last second debating game. Who's going to win? Who's going to lose? When you get those one point, two point, three point wins, it's got to make you feel good as a player and a coach. Princeton was able to pull it off over Erie Prophetstown. The Lady Tigresses moved to 8-8 eight eight with a 51-13. Yeah, I said that. 51-13 victory over Chicago Gurian Prep. It's G-U-E-R-I-N. I'm just spelling it out because I know I butchered it. Gurian, Gurian, something like that. 51-13. Insane. If I can't say it, that means I haven't really heard of you. And if you're getting beat 51-13, yeah, I mean, that says, that says it all. <laughs> also... 
field cross girls moved to 15 and 2 having an amazing season with a 52-13 win over Lamoille, Ohio. Man, the field cross girls are playing very 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 well and they finished second in the Lady Bruin Christmas Classic. So they're putting up some good numbers and doing good things. Also going back to the Mark Cooper conversation that we have on the show, the Ottawa boys last game was a 39-35 win over Morris to give them 7th in the Plano tournament. They are now 7-5. and five. When I talked to Mark Cooper, it was before the end of the Plano Christmas Classic, so I just wanted to throw their record in there and their score before we kick it to Mark Cooper and our awesome conversation. But the one thing I want to talk about nationally before I get into that is NFL playoff football. One of my favorite times, the excitement, like who's going to be the, win the next Super Bowl, who's going to knock off Tom Brady and the Patriots and you know all this other stuff. Well, they were knocked off. It was awesome. I'm an old man now. I try not to be an old man. I was, trying to, I was starting to fall asleep by the time I got home. It was halfway through the Patriots game. So I tried to stay up and watch the rest of it. I think I fell asleep right towards the end of the game. I, I almost got through it. Man, it sucks saying that I'm an old man. Mid-30s and like, oh, I'm old. I can't even stay up to watch a game. But I was with Pat. We'll blame, can we blame Pat Beals? Maybe we should just blame Pat Beals. I know he, he listens to the show, which very appreciated. He's always giving feedback. But I am going to have to blame Pat Beals. Trying to, to hang with Pat Beals, that's always tough. But I managed to get through. I just missed the end of the game. I did watch the Texans and the Bills. I'll give you my picks. I should have done this before the playoffs had started, but I didn't. I will be honest with you. I won't make up picks to act like I picked every single playoff game correctly. Texans defeated the Bills 22-19. And the Bills actually had a 10-0 lead going in, I want to say halftime. But I know, you know, midway through the second, it was 10-0. But anyway, Texans pick up the 22-19 win. I actually did pick Buffalo. I thought Buffalo was going to win. It did go into overtime. So I was still hoping, like, hey, you guys can do this. Texans make the field goal. I did pick the Bills. Didn't happen for me there. And, of course, I got this other one wrong. I already mentioned it. Tom Brady and the New England Patriots fall to Tennessee Titans 20-13. That's insane. I never saw that happening in a million years. Patriots are 12-4. Titans are 9-7, and, and they pull off the 2013 win over the Dynasty right now. One of the greatest teams, greatest program runs in NFL history. Titans at 9-7 and pull off that win. Nobody saw that coming. Let's face it, nobody predicted that. Even if you say you predict it, I'm not going to really believe you. I think the Patriots were marked in for, you know, an AFC collision with Baltimore Ravens, and I really wanted to see that. Unfortunately, you know, the Titans had a good game here, but I don't see them being the competition level of the Patriots, Ravens, and so on and so on. So it's a crazy game. Good thing for Tennessee. Good job for them. You know, when you can say you beat New England in the playoffs, you know, not a lot of people could say that. So hold your head high. That's awesome. But I, I don't see how far that they're going to get. As we're speaking, I have NFL Sunday Countdown on the TV screen. And I keep reading on the bottom, Tom Brady says, highly unlikely that he'll retire. I mean, why, why would he? <laughs> he can still play. He's still a phenomenal quarterback. Even though he's older, I think he's like 42 years old, he's still a top five, top ten. Uh, probably top five. He might be like, I'm going to say six to eight, six to eight-ish, something like that. But still getting the job done. 
I say that after they lose a playoff game, but I mean they went 12 and four. 12 and four with Tom Brady, 42 year old quarterback. Well, I mean that says a lot, and he got to the playoffs. There's a lot of other teams not at the playoffs with younger quarterbacks. Just saying. Today's games, like I said, watching the NFL Sunday countdown, getting ready for this one. Minnesota Vikings, New Orleans Saints. I'm going Saints. I think Saints are going to go to the Super Bowl. That was my pick. Then we got Seahawks and Eagles. I'm going Seahawks. I have slowly become a closet Russell Wilson fan. He is one of my favorite quarterbacks in the league. The way he plays, he's confident. He, man, I love Russell Wilson. I, I love his game. He's able to use his feet. He's able to throw. He makes good decisions. And he's just a lot of fun to watch. And they got they got Marshawn Lynch back. Marshawn Lynch. Man, I love that dude. In my uh, fantasy football playing days, which is still now. I don't even know why I said playoff days. We're going to say career. My best little run with my, uh, I think I won two championships and finished second a couple of times with Marshawn Lynch as my running back. I had him as a keeper. I think I kept him for like five years. Just a stud. Helped me win two championships, a couple runner-ups. It was awesome. I have not had that same success since I had to get rid of Lynch. Two awesome games I'm going to be watching. Should be a lot of fun. Well, that's the intro. We have to get to Mark Cooper. Great conversation. Great guy to talk to. I told him, you know, thank you a million times for coming on, and I'm going to say it one more time. It was fantastic, and kind of like, like I said, I kind of fanboyed him. I didn't mean to, and I try not to do that because, you know, that's that's not professional. Like, they're just doing, they're living their life, using their skills and talents, just like we are every day, and I try not to do that. But like I said, growing up, basketball in Mendota, he was one of those names, one of those players that you kind of wanted to be like. And once I realized I was not going to be as tall as he was, he's got to be 6'3", 6'4". I don't know if we talk about that, though, in the conversation. But he's like 6'3", 6'4". Realized I wasn't going to be as tall as him. I'm about 6. And, you know, just one of those guys he looked up to. You liked how he played. You liked how he carried himself. Things like that. So it was a pleasure to speak with him. We'll be back shortly with another great conversation. Until next time. It is not every day that I get to talk to somebody that I kind of look up to. I don't know if this guy knows this, but coming from the same hometown, going to the same high school, knowing what he did basketball-wise in high school and college, and then him becoming a coach, I kind of looked up to him. And when I got to speak with him as a sports writer for you know a local newspaper, it was a really big deal to me. And I've got to know him and got to speak with him quite a few times. I am talking about, of course, Ottawa boys basketball coach, Mark Cooper. How are you, Mark? I'm doing really good today, Brandon. It's good to find another Mendota guy to spend a little time with and talk with tonight. Definitely. And I know I have never told you that I kind of looked up to you and I knew who you were before I talked to you the first time, but I always did. And I knew you uh, as a basketball player. Of course, I didn't get to see you, but the stories and, you know, everything like that kind of becomes folklore in a town like Mendota. Well, also, you know, I was very aware that you were at the News Tribune that it was a Mendota guy, too. It's, you know, it's one of those things when your hometown and you have some pride in it and that you you take notice of, even though I'm over in, in Ottawa now and have a lot of my attentions over here, I'm still very aware of what goes on in my hometown, my home school, and, and the people like yourself that have went on and done significant things in the area. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. And yourself have done, like I said, 
basketball folklore as a player, but even as a coach with Ottawa, you've been doing some big things. I call Ottawa a small big school because you're always borderline 3A, 4A, and you play some some of the best competition in Illinois. I always think, man, Mark's always got a tough boat, tough schedules, but you always have either a winning team or a team that is always fun to watch. I'm really fortunate. It's one thing about Ottawa. We have decades and decades of tradition here. So basketball is very important in our community and consequently our our student athletes that have played basketball here for a long time take it very seriously. So, you know, it doesn't matter if it's this year, five years ago, 10 years ago, kids that get an opportunity to play varsity basketball at Ottawa are generally very excited and, and they have a lot of things to uphold to, not necessarily the winning and the losing, but how hard you work, the level of commitment you make, because there's, we always talk about whether it's coaches, players and that, there's been many that have come before us that we wouldn't have what we have right now if it wasn't for the John Loves, the Daryl Deckards, the Harley Pierces, and that's just the name of few of people that have worked extremely hard to make Ottawa basketball, you know, what it is today. And you named, you know, a few of, you know, some of Ottawa greats, and the list is very, very long. Just since I've been around, at least as a reporter, I mean, I got to see John Carroll, Mickey Tucker, Isaac Gassman. Just talk about, as a coach perspective, being able to coach some of that caliber of talent. One thing, you you don't get your hands on kids like that on a yearly basis that are obviously... The good Lord has given them a lot of skills, but also the kids that have worked very hard and, and done it the right way. And the one thing about the three kids that you, that you mentioned, they were all about what needs to be done to help Ottawa basketball win. There was never thinking of themselves first, and that's one of the things we've really tried to pride ourselves on at Ottawa is, is having kids that are willing to sacrifice a little bit and, and really being intolerant to anything that's going to get in the way of winning and and i think when you have a tradition and you have people you can draw back on that will have you know some of our former players like you know last year daryl decker made a trip back from ohio to you know to speak to our guys and you know we've had a number of very successful graduates that still take a lot of pride and looking at the product that's out on the floor and making sure they're continuing to play the right way so you know we've been very fortunate those guys set a really good example. When you watch someone like Isaac Gassman or Mickey or Johnny Carroll, younger kids want to be like them growing up. And, you know, so it's very important for us when people look at them on the floor that they see they, these are really good kids that are doing it the right way and because other kids eventually want to be like them. Definitely. And you've been with the team since the 2004-2005 season, correct? I don't even know what the date is. I just know it's been a while. I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't even tell you the number of years it's it's been a while and and ottawa basketball has been much better to me than what i've ever been able to give it as i've you know the relationships that i've been able to have with not only players coaches officials other coaches and that i could work for a long long time here and never be able to pay back the program for what it's done for me and my family I, I hate to be the person who's going to argue with you, but I mean, you've had, like I said, you've been there since 2004, 2005, and you have 11 winning seasons, two regional championships, and a host of great memories. I mean, I've been to a lot of Ottawa LP games. I've been to Ottawa Streeter games, and they are always fun to watch, and to, to watch your coaching methods is always a delight, even as a fan and a sports writer. 
you try to make it about the kids. You know, I've never been one that want to be too noticed on the sideline. Obviously, you got to do your job and push the kids, hopefully, to a level that they couldn't get on your own. But, you know, when you start talking about the our rivalry with LP and our rivalry with Streeter, those are sacred nights, especially Friday nights when, you know, those schools are able to get together and the communities are very supportive of all, all the team. And, you know, truthfully, I'm just lucky to be a small part of it here for a little bit in time because rivalries like that just don't pop up overnight. They've been around for a long time and I'm you know, I'm just one of the guys that's kind of just passing through for a short period of time and trying to do my part to make sure that uh, Ottawa High School and Ottawa basketball does things the right way in those rivalries. And, you know, and our, our kids are good representatives of our community and school. And I know last year you came across your 250th win. I know you have more than that now. Was that a special moment for you to be able to say, hey, you know, I've won 250 wins? No, not really at all. One thing, when you get in the middle of a season, everything is about tomorrow, the next day, the next day. I talk about with our kids all the time that if, if you're looking in the rearview mirror, you're going to get into an accident. You know, you always have to be looking out ahead, looking out through the windshield. And the number of wins that really doesn't even register for, for me you know, one bit, because the only thing I know is I've been really lucky. I have some very talented kids that are very committed and coach with some outstanding people who are also very good basketball coaches. So the wins and things like that, you're just working, trying that day to have a good practice and, and preparation for your next game. So I would say it's not, it doesn't even cross my mind one bit. So getting into this season, just tell us a little bit about your team and what are some things that we need to be looking out for when we go to an Ottawa game? Yeah, you know, we're, we don't have near the size that we've had in in recent years. We've been fortunate for a while here. We've been a little bit longer out on the perimeter. This allows us to do some stuff where this year's team has, you know, very good skill and is a little bit more perimeter-oriented based. We're subject to look some of the ups and downs in a game and also during the season. If you take a high number of three-point shots, there can be stretches in a game where you score a lot of points in a short period of time but you can also run into periods of time where you hit a little bit of a drought so you know we've kind of evolved organically a little bit like that and then you know we're working really hard on the defensive end that's not something that's come easy to this group just from a physical standpoint and and maybe also competitive fight that we need to have but hopefully we're making some strides on it but you know we've had a good start to the year at four and three and then we feel like we've you know, get a little bit healthier, become a little bit more whole here in the upcoming weeks that we have a chance to have a little bit of success. Last year, you finished at 25-5. and five. Was that a senior-laden team, or were you able to bring back some of the pieces to that to continue the success? Well, in terms of the guys that played heavy minutes, Miles Tucker was a junior last year. He was the only one that played heavy minutes last year. TJ McDonald played a, a little bit as well, but for the most part, it was a, it was a senior-laden team, but you know, there are kids that were juniors last year. They got to practice against those kids every day. And there's something to be said for maybe having to sit and watch for the first time in your life as a junior. You end up getting a little bit hungrier. And you know when that next year that opportunity comes that you want to be ready for it. And one thing we really stressed in our program, we made a living having kids that were maybe freshman B-team kids that grow and end up being good varsity players for us. And we also have made a living of a lot of kids that 
maybe didn't see the floor much at all as a junior, and then all of a sudden as a senior, their first team all-conference players. So just because some of the kids were maybe behind some talented seniors last year doesn't mean that they're not capable of having really good senior campaigns for us. I usually ask a question, you know, since you're a long-tenured coach, you've been with the same program for a while, you see kids come and go, but usually I ask from an athletic point of view, you know, as a coach, different levels of basketball skill, different levels of conditioning, different levels, you know, each team is different. But also as a coach, there's, you know, emotional bond that can be formed between a coach and a player. As a coach, how do you deal with that, knowing you might only have a player for you know, a senior year, junior year, maybe you have a four-year player, a four-year starter. How do you do that emotionally, knowing that you only have a short time with these players? Well, one thing, the relationships don't form overnight. That takes a lot of time, and a lot of times it means being together in the ups and downs, sometimes going through, whether it be basketball-wise or things off the floor, you know, some emotional and difficult situations. But when kids get to be seniors, your relationship with them changes a little bit. You've been together for a while. There's more of a trust that goes on both ways. They've earned trust with me and the other way around. So basically, kind of when, when they do leave, the relationship from coach pushing the player turns almost more into a little bit of a friend-type relationship. We have a lot of kids that have graduated here. When I see them, I, I can't wait to get over and see how they're doing or maybe you just shoot them a text on a, on a given night, ask them, hey, how are your exams going and, and so forth. Those relationships don't happen overnight. They occur over a long period of time and then after they leave, you know, you can get together with them, you tell all kinds of stories and, and you laugh a little bit and, you know, those are bonds that you have for life, which is one of the really good things about extracurricular activities whether it's with players with players or players with coaches, you have a lifetime of stories and memories and bonds that you're going to have forever. And it's just some of the things that you're not necessarily going to get when maybe you're in, in a Microsoft Office class or your algebra class and those types of things. So it's, those are all really important things to us. Do you still have friendship or, you know, relationship with players from, you know, maybe the beginning of your Ottawa career? Oh, yes. No no question about that. On our staff, we have a number of guys that were part of Ottawa basketball. But those things, even though you may not see someone for a year, those bonds aren't broken just because of time. You see each other and, I mean, you tell stories if they remind you about things you said or you did. And, you know, you'll say something back to them. But those bonds aren't broken. Even when you don't see somebody for a while, it may be seven, eight years uh uh, later, the, those things bring back best memories, and you know, it may be going to a wedding or or something like that with with one of the guys. But anytime you have a chance to, you know, at a game, there's nothing better when you're at a game and all of a sudden you look up in the stands and you see three or four kids that are together that maybe played seven or eight years ago, and they all come down and give you a big hug before the game, and you know, those those things are more important than the wins and losses. If you don't develop those types of relationships with the kids, then something's not in the program where it needs to be. Your father, Robert Cooper, had to be your number one fan. And I wanted to give my condolences because I, I know he passed away recently. You know, there's nothing sad about it. He had 81 really good years and did things the right way. I was fortunate that growing up, I had a front row seat in terms of showing me how you're supposed to do things, how you're supposed to treat people, what's the right way about doing things, but also in a school environment. And I didn't even 
realized growing up how fortunate I was as you got a little bit older in that and I handle situations in a certain way I did that because of my parents and the best gift that a parents can do to their kids is show them how to handle all situations the right way treat people the right way because those are the kind of things you're they're going to pass on to their kids and you know i was just you know really fortunate with my dad being principal at school that he was able to be you know from a fan's perspective actively in, involved in the school and just be around and and one thing he was he was always supportive I knew whether it was a big win or a crushing defeat that, you know, I was going to have somebody when I came home that was going to be, that was going to love me unconditionally and support me. But I also knew he really cared about the students at the high school. Yeah, I mean, he absolutely loved Mendota High School and his relationships he formed. You know, I'm never going to be able to be the guy he was, but I, hopefully I can do a few of the things to have, a you know, a little bit of an impact because what what he did, for that school and community, it's, you know, it's really unheard of. And then, but also since he, re he retired in the mid nineties, Mendota high school was so good to him. They were very open about welcoming him back. Everybody was great there, you know, for how the last 15 years or whatever with Jeff Persader and Denise Augenbaugh, they've completely opened up the doors of Mendota high school and to him. And truthfully, I think he would probably tell you if he was around, Mendota High School gave him more than what he was able to give Mendota High School. I'm going to ask this just because, you know, I've been in millions of bleachers all across the state of Illinois and actually other states outside of Illinois. And you will hear parents, you know, hey, that's the coach's kid. Hey, that's the kid of the principal, the kid of the athletic director and act like things were handed to them or, you know, this is why they're a good basketball player and, you know, maybe other kids aren't, stuff like that. You being the son of a, a principal and, and your father was a coach and, and stuff like that, a Hall of Fame coach, did you ever feel that pressure or did you ever see things like that happen? None at all. I didn't feel any pressure and, and I think he wanted to just make sure, and again, I played up on the varsity as a sophomore. And I think it was obvious at the time that I was good enough to do it. And I think in a lot of these situations, if you're going to be coach's son, administrator's son, playing on a varsity sport, it doesn't have to be basketball. If you do things the right way, you treat people the right way, you work hard, and you're good enough, everything will take care of itself. What you can't do is if you're a coach's son, an administrator's son, put the program or your father in a bad situation by maybe misbehaving out on the floor, making some poor decisions, because then it just, it can get to be a really not a very good situation. So if you take care of those things and you treat all your teammates, the juniors and seniors and so forth, you treat them the right way and you're very supportive of them no matter how you possibly play in the game, people gain a certain amount of respect for you. And again, you, and you still have to be able to play at a certain level but all the other things will kind of take care of itself but you have to make sure that you're not putting your family name in any situations and that you're also very respectful of the kids that are older than you because if you show any sort of disrespect to any of the older kids 
or you get yourself into a little trouble, you get a technical foul or any things like that, it can cause some issues. So if anybody, I was talking to anybody that was going to be a administrator or coach's kid, if you do those things, work really hard, keep your mouth shut, do the right things, most of the time, you know, everything will end up working out the way it should. We've talked about you know, the relationship with you and your father and through sports. You know, your brother was a girls basketball coach at Ottawa for quite a while and now still the athletic director. So just talk about your guys' relationship working at the same school. You both were coaching the same board and you guys played together for both Mendota and you guys were on the IVCC roster together too, weren't you? No, he was two years ahead of me. So okay. I, I, pl- I played with him when I was a sophomore in high school and he was a senior. And, you know, we've been around athletics together. You know, it didn't matter if we were playing basketball. You know, we played all kinds of stratomatic baseball growing up, wiffle ball, all those things. So we're, you know, very comfortable with one another. One thing is whether it's from an administrator to coach perspective or when he was coaching, I was coaching, you don't have any problem telling each other the truth. And, you know, sometimes, you know, we get self-absorbed in terms of what's going on. You need somebody to maybe tell you, no, that's, you know, that's maybe not a good decision to be practicing, you know, this day or whatever. But we have that type of relationship. But, you know, what some people wouldn't probably realize, we don't speak as much as you would think him being the athletic director and I'm the head basketball coach. We will talk a, a little bit, but just because we're in the same building, it's not on a regular basis, you know, that we go ahead and, you know, have an opportunity to speak and, and so forth. And when you talk about something, we'll eventually do it. But I've got a lot of respect for him because he's been through things from an administrative perspective, a coaching perspective. Now he has a son who's a junior on my team, so he's he's there from a from a coaching perspective, and it's worked out really well in all the years we've been together. I have to ask you this because, you know, I'm I'm 34, and I never was a fantastic player. I like to think that I was an okay basketball player, but I'm going through the process of you know your body not being able to do things that you once could do you know regardless of you know weight and stuff like that you were a really good player when when did your body or when did you know like okay maybe it's time for me to give it up since college was over i played a little bit but not a lot when you're coaching you're in the gym a lot then after work and i was spending a lot of time there so i didn't do as much playing i played a, a little bit you know, in my mid-20s, probably the late 20s more so, I would go over to the YMCA in LaSalle, Peru, and Steve Nutt and Greg Oslin, Hollis Vickery, and we had the Ninth Street Pub team that we would, uh, I played on that for, for a number of years. But I was always so worried about tearing an Achilles. That would be death in terms of trying to coach having a, an Achilles get torn. So I've kind of gravitated a little bit more to playing golf to take care of some of the competitive juices and not do as much in terms of play i i couldn't tell you the last time i played just more so i'm just concerned because i've had college teammates that have torn achilles and then have you know they're in, in a really bad place for several months and it'd be really difficult to do my coaching job if I did something like tearing an Achilles. So I enjoyed it, and I, you know, and I still get the competitive juices going from a coaching perspective. But I'd probably better off if I leave the playing days a little bit in my rearview mirror. 
I was in an old man league in Oglesby a couple years ago, and I was playing. I was playing all right. I was kind of surprised at how well I could still play. And then I landed on a knee wrong, and I was so scared that I tore an ACL or something. I, I stopped. I was like, nope, I'm done. I didn't tear it, thank God. But I, I was really scared that that's what I did. Yeah, and that's just one of the things you have to keep an eye out as we age a little bit. And and I've got a lot of miles on on these tires because I did a lot of running after I was even done playing basketball and probably a little better idea that uh, the sneakers uh, that I used to run up and down the floor kind of have a little bit of mothballs in them now. (laughs) There you go. So you you mentioned a name. You mentioned Hollis Vickery, and I know him as the LaSalle Peru girls basketball coach. Like to talk to Hollis a lot. Great to talk to. But since you said that you played basketball with him, and I've heard some stories, you know, here and there, I would like to hear some stories about Hollis Vickery playing basketball because I heard he was amazing. Oh, Hollis was an offensive machine. I was really fortunate. Our team with the 9th Street Pub, Pete Nett, who was longtime instructor out at IVCC, was an outstanding player. I was probably still in my prime at the time. Hollis, we used to just come running from the parking lot. He'd come right from the parking lot, running right onto the floor. Walt Manajack, we had a whole whole group of us, but one thing he knew about Hollis, Hollis could score. I'm sure it was back in you know his day. I think he ended up going to Pacific to uh, to go ahead and play, or whether he's at LP or years later when he was playing YMCA leagues. He jumped really high and had a beautiful jump shot and loved to play. Hollis played really hard, so you know that was I, I had a lot of fun those years that uh, were the Night Street Pub. We had a lot of battles with Ellie's down there year after year, and, you know. So it was a uh, you know again developed a lot of really good friendships that way. I have one more question for you, and this is going to be a tough one. So if it takes a second right. to think about it, that's okay. Yeah, you played everywhere in the area and everything like that. So you can name people that you played with on the teams in Mendota or people that you played against. But who were five of the best players that were on the court with you at the same time during your playing career? Oh, over the years, probably in the area, Mark Engelbart, LaSalle, Peru. Mark was a really good player. Went to Marquette, had an outstanding career. I can think back to my days at IVCC that playing against Andy Petty that went to Illinois and played. There was a kid by the name of Kevin Foote at, at Triton that was an absolute was a stud playing in the state all-star game with marcus liberty who was the number one player in the country and played at illinois and eventually went on and had ba career oh what's that give you about four trying to think fifth one One of the one of the best just all-around athletes in the area around my time was from st b was joe perona joe was an outstanding basketball player Obviously, he was a really good baseball player, went on Northwestern. He was a good football player at, at St. Bede. And even forgetting, you know, John Freeman, my year was at Lawson. I played with at IV, was just the scoring machine. We were actually really fortunate in the area around the time when I was graduating in 1987. We had a lot of very talented players that were eventually able to go to IV. And we added a few kids uh, from Peoria, and that was 
part of the big reason that, you know, we had such tremendous success and, you know, we're drawing people to IBCC's gymnasium. We had sellout crowd just because we were really fortunate at that time. We had kids that were good enough in the area to go play on a national level, junior college basketball and compete. So that, that's just a few of them. I've got, probably got a long list if I really started writing them down. <laughs> Definitely. I'm sorry to put you on the spot like that, but I'm like, man, oh, that, I know you've played that, with a lot of great players. Oh, yes. I, there's there's no question. I mean, I can think, you know, my Mendota teams are very good. And the time we had at IVCC to finish third in the nation my freshman year, and then we ended up being 30-2. and two. My sophomore year, we ranked number one in the nation for almost the entire year. And we had people that were coming out to junior college basketball at the time that they were just coming out in droves. We had you know, one of probably the biggest game we had was when we played Kankakee, and they were a top five team in the country, and we were really good. And they had to turn people away at the door, and it was when we put on a show that night. And like I told you before, basketball has been so good to me, and the things that I've been able to experience, and the relationships that I've been able to form. You know, I would recommend it to anyone to be able to be able to do the things that I've did. You know, more than anything, I've got I have memories and relationships that are going to last a lifetime. I lied to you. I'm going to ask you one more question. Um, if I can borrow a few more you minutes can, of your time. You can borrow some time. Any Mendota guy asking that, it's okay with me. <laughs> Perfect. I love it. I love it. You were just talking about, you know, fans coming out and drove for IVCC games. So I graduated in 04, and there were still a lot of fans coming to games. I remember games between Mendota and Rochelle when they had Ben Rand. Ben Rand was, I think, a year older than me. And I remember those games against Rochelle packed. I remember Streeter with Rodney Hood packed. There was no room, standing room only in these games. Unfortunately, you know I'm an assistant coach with IVCC women's basketball and you know the men's game is usually right after it. And I'm looking at the attendance of IVCC games and Mendota basketball games and even Ottawa, LaSalle, Peru. Over the last few years or maybe even the last decade or so, there is not a lot of people going to basketball games. Do you think it's just, you know, there's more options of things to do with people's time do you think you know i i know there's not a loss of interest in sports and especially not basketball i don't think that's the case at all so what do you what do you think it is that people aren't coming out like they used to well i think a lot of it's technology you can like right now i've got on the tv maryland and, and seton hall and basketball seven nights a week you can have whatever on a satellite or a cable or whatever there's going to be a basketball game on every night that you can watch. You can stream games on your phone. There are so many more options for people that are interested in basketball. Years ago, you didn't have one. You may have a Saturday and Sunday game, maybe a big Monday games with ESPN. But if you, if you want to see a Big Ten game, you can see about every single one. They're on the Big Ten network about every every night of the week and i think that has really taken a lot of the general interest away from from high school sports it's had an effect at the statewide level too in terms of they're having to change some things in the state tournament now as well but i still think if you have two teams that are really good because it was just maybe three years ago when LP had a really good team and we had a good team and both games were sold out you know it's not you know something that can't happen it's just, I just think the night in and night out, there are so many more options for people to go ahead and spend time with technology-wise 
that they can get their fix with basketball, football, whatever it may be, that that's maybe had a little bit of an impact on the general interest for more of the casual fan. As soon as you said something about a LaSalle Peru Ottawa game a couple years ago when you both when both squads were really good, I was there at the Ottawa game that year. It would have had to been 2016. You had Mickey Tucker, LP had Isaiah Tubbs, Brady Hubie, Christian Soderholm, and I got there probably about 15 to 20 minutes before the game, and I was nosebleed seats of Kingman Gym. You know, we had went over to LP earlier in the year, and the game sold out over at LP, and LP won by, I don't know, two or three points. It was a really highly competitive game between two good basketball teams, and then just happened to be that the, the last game of the year was at our place, and to alleviate some of the ticket issues, I know they did, you know, we normally don't sell tickets in advance, but I knew they sold them in advance that week, and it was sold out maybe two days before even the, the Friday game. And that, that's just that's just not common. That's not something that happens. It can happen for Ottawa and LP under the right circumstance, but there's not many other areas of the state where you're going to find something like that. And obviously both teams were really good, and and the communities were tremendous in terms of going ahead and supporting both teams. But, you know, those, those nights are special. You don't get those all the time, and you don't get them every year either. Let's, like this year, we happen to play LP. It was a Thanksgiving game on Saturday afternoon where you have minimal uh, attendance. But, you know, those are those are nights that, you know, all the kids on both teams and the communities uh, don't forget anytime soon. Just real quick, I know I said Mickey Tucker. Who else was on that team? Isaac Gassman was it? Uh, underclassman, wasn't he? No, Isaac would Isaac Gassman and Keating Rombach were seniors. Mickey Tucker would have been uh, a junior on that team. Okay. We split the point guard duties with Andrew Bacon and the freshman Wyatt Hill. And then, you know, we had some other kids that were, were coming off the bench as well. But both teams were really good. That was that was a really good LaSalle Peru team and, and obviously we had some very talented kids as well. And it's it's kind of nice when both teams are good at the same time. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, you know, it just brings so much interest. I can just, I thought almost like in the 80s and the early 90s, I felt like when Ottawa was good, LP wasn't as strong. When LP was good, Ottawa wasn't as strong. And that just happened to be one of the years when uh, both teams were having really good seasons and was able to have two very entertaining games for the Illinois Valley. I don't know why, but I always thought Tucker was older than Gassman. I don't know why I thought that. No, he was a he was a year behind him, and actually got his younger brother now. That's uh, that's a senior senior for us. So we've had a we've had a lot of years of Chase Hill, Wyatt Hill, and Mickey Tucker and Miles Tucker. Some families that have done a lot of good things for our program. Yeah, Tucker's senior year was the year that Jared Bell and I were the Illinois Valley All Star Game coaches, and Tucker was definitely my first pick because <laughs> we did a draft, and I picked him really fast. One thing about Mickey, Mickey could put the ball in the hole. You know, he played 365 days a year. Mickey was a really good kid, and he was definitely a pleasure to coach. Well, Coach Cooper, thank you for joining us. Like I said, this was an honor for me. I've always enjoyed every time that we've gotten to speak together. And for you to agree to join Edge of Your Seat podcast and share some basketball memories with me, I deeply appreciate it. Nope, it was my pleasure, and I, I enjoyed it, and hopefully we'll see you down the road soon.